Take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. I'm very, very enthusiastic about bringing you this brand new series because it will reveal to you the laws of this process we call manifesting or manifestation in a way that you may never have considered. My aim here is to clarify how your reality is made manifest from within the center of your being so that you can eventually completely relax into allowing the unfolding of anything you desire to see appear on the screen of your reality. Creation is already finished. Anything that you can conceive of in your imagination already exists in creation. Otherwise, you would never have been able to conceive of it in the first place. So even though we use the word create a lot, I use the word create a lot, understand that technically we cannot create anything because everything has already been created. What we do is simply manifest or become aware of what has already been created. Our assumption, our concept of our self, determines what portions of creation we get to experience. So when you imagine something new that you would like to create or bring into your life, you're actually becoming aware of a new portion of creation which already exists and your ability to actually bring it into your life and manifest it, experience it as a living reality for you, is determined by your belief in being able to receive it, your acceptance of it as being a foregone conclusion. Your desire to create anything at all comes from a wellspring deep within you that is seeking expression of a greater life. Desire itself is that life within seeking expression. And when you have a very strong desire for a change of circumstances or a desire to give birth to a creative project or a burning desire for freedom, that feeling emanates from that in you which is eternal. It is your destiny and mine to expand to greater and greater levels of awareness of the creation. And desire is the impetus that leads us to a greater awareness and expression of who we really are. It's how we discover who we really are. Our experience of desire starts out innocently enough, and for many, it may seem to be associated at first with the material plane. We may desire to have a nicer house, a more comfortable car, a better paying job, a partner, or to be able to take our family on vacation. We may desire to have better physical health or establish a feeling of financial security. Initially, we may have no inkling that our desire is leading us on the path of spiritual growth, but that in truth is what is happening. 
Bob Proctor says, goals are not for getting, goals are for growing. In other words, when you set a goal for yourself, particularly a goal that feels really big from your current perspective, when you accomplish that goal, you feel a tremendous sense of pride, not only because of what you gained in the process, but because of who you had to become in order to achieve that goal. You reach a higher level. And in the achievement of the goal, you experience yourself as a much bigger person than you realized you were. This kind of goal is more properly called a dream. A dream is something so wondrous, so exciting to you, that when you imagine it's yours, you feel a thrill of amazement. And when you contemplate it, it scares you a bit. A dream is, by definition, something that you have no idea how to bring about. It seems to be beyond you or out of reach somehow, but you passionately desire to bring it into your reality, to experience it, to live it. And the inspiration of the dream and the desire you feel for it, if it's strong enough, will cause you to transcend your current sense of self in order to bring it forth. It's not for what you get. It's for the growth that occurs in the process. It's about who you had to become in order to materialize something that initially seemed impossible or so far off you had no idea how to do it. Once you've realized that dream, even greater horizons present themselves to your view. Things that you never could have seen before that were hidden from your view but which now reveal themselves to you because you have grown in awareness. The recognition that what had seemed a faraway dream at one point was actually achievable strengthens your confidence and conviction that there are dormant powers within you ready to be awakened. In order to understand the process by which the unmanifest is made manifest, we have to understand the mind. There's only one mind, and we're all extensions of it. We are all working with different arrangements of the same one mind. This mind is the infinite intelligence, the realm of all possibilities. The mind is a movement, an activity, and our brains are the instruments which have the amazing ability to send and receive and move from one frequency of thinking to another, much like a radio or television that can tune into different channels. In fact, the radio and the television were made possible by our discovery that there was information in the very air, invisible frequencies that could be translated into comprehensible sounds and images. Your mind is a center of divine operation. So is mine. Because the mind is infinite, the center is everywhere and nowhere. The divine is operating through your center and through mine. And all of us have exactly the same access to this infinite mind of which we are all extensions of consciousness. Consciousness has a dual nature. There's a conscious aspect and a subconscious aspect. It's like two streams. You can think of it as an iceberg. The conscious mind is the tip of the iceberg, visible above the water. The subconscious mind is the rest of the iceberg, invisible below the water and quite a bit more massive. Your conscious mind is your thinking mind, your intellectual mind, the mind with which you make decisions and you can accept or reject information. It's the mind that can learn, can be educated and accumulate knowledge. It's the objective mind that's hooked up to our five senses, which feed us information from the environment. It uses inductive reasoning based on observation, 
experience, and education. So it has a hard time believing anything that goes contrary to what the senses or reason demonstrate. The conscious is what you know. It's the part of you that says, I know that. The subconscious is what you are. It is the emotional feeling mind and has no ability to reject. It simply accepts what the conscious mind believes to be true. It cannot tell the difference between something that's actually happening and something you are vividly imagining. It's amoral and will return whatever the conscious mind plants in it, just as the earth will return and grow any seed you plant. The subconscious makes no judgment of whether something that you plant in it is good for you or bad for you, whether it is true or false. It simply outpictures whatever the conscious mind impresses upon it. There is an intimate relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind. And in order to effectively operate and direct the process of manifestation, we must understand this relationship. In fact, it's kind of like a love story. We can describe it according to a spiritual law known as the law of gender. The law of gender states that everything contains both masculine and feminine principles. When we refer to masculine and feminine, please realize that we're going beyond gender in the human sense of men or women or non-binary or sexual orientation. These are all merely expressions of the law of gender, which is expressed on a spectrum in all of creation as the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Think of the symbol for yin and yang. Yin is the feminine principle and yang is the masculine principle, but each contains a portion of the other. Light is the masculine principle. Darkness is the feminine principle. Sun is the masculine principle. Moon is the feminine. The conscious mind is an expression of the masculine principle and the subconscious mind is an expression of the feminine principle. I don't believe that anyone has expressed this relationship more simply and eloquently than Neville Goddard, the great American mystic of the last century. Listen to how he puts it. The conscious is the realm of effects. The subconscious is the realm of cause. These two aspects are the male and female divisions of consciousness. The conscious is male. The subconscious is female. The conscious generates ideas and impresses these ideas on the subconscious. The subconscious receives ideas and gives form and expression to them. So to go back to our metaphor of the garden, with your conscious mind, you plant seeds of thought in the earth of the subconscious mind, based upon your beliefs about yourself and the world, based upon your paradigm. And just like the earth, the subconscious mind returns the fruit of that seed you planted, regardless of its nature. So Neville continues, by this law, first conceiving an idea and then impressing the idea conceived upon the subconscious all things evolve out of consciousness. The conscious impresses the subconscious, while the subconscious expresses all that is impressed upon it. The subconscious does not originate ideas, but accepts as true those that the conscious mind feels to be true, and in a way known only to itself, objectifies the accepted ideas. This means whatever you believe to be true, whatever you accept and consent to in daily life that forms your current paradigm of awareness is objectified without judgment by your subconscious mind. 
and therefore becomes the only reality you can experience. Therefore, Neville says, through his power to imagine and feel and his freedom to choose the idea he will entertain, man has control over creation. Control of the subconscious is accomplished through control of your ideas and feelings. The mechanism of creation is hidden in the very depths of the subconscious, the the female aspect or womb of creation. The subconscious transcends reason and is independent of induction. It contemplates a feeling as a fact existing within itself and on this assumption proceeds to give expression to it. This is just so marvelously expressed by Neville. In a previous episode on the higher mental faculties, which are part of your conscious mind, we spoke of the spiritual gift of imagination and how we can consciously use our imagination to manifest any reality we choose. This works precisely because the subconscious contemplates a feeling as a fact existing within itself. In other words, it doesn't know the difference between something real in the objective world and something you vividly imagine in your subjective world. Are you starting to feel the power that you hold right in your very own hands or in your very own mind, I should say? When Neville speaks of control of your ideas and feelings, he isn't telling us to constrain or suppress anything unnaturally. We already know that that doesn't work and that suppressed emotions are at the root cause of all disease. Rather, The law encourages us to place our attention on what we want to experience rather than on what we don't want to experience. You've heard me say that many times. This is the law of thinking that teaches us that wherever we place our attention, we direct our energy. In the Bible, it says, Whatsoever is true, pure, lovely, and of good report, think on these things. That we should direct the beam of our attention wisely, knowing that we must eventually experience in accordance with where we have invested our energy mentally. When we learned about the law of attraction in an earlier episode, we spoke of the importance of understanding its binary nature of desire plus expectation. When you make the process of attraction a conscious one, in order to operate it effectively, you need a clear idea of what you want to attract— that's the desire, coupled with the feeling you would experience if your wish were fulfilled right now. Expectation. Of course, everyone is already operating by the law of attraction because we are subject to it. It is part of the mechanism of creation. But if you don't understand how it operates, it's very easy to create a hell around you instead of a heaven. Most of us are very undisciplined in our thinking. And this is at the heart of the problem. First of all, we believe we're thinking when most of the time what's actually happening is mere mental activity. It's the nature of the mind to think. It is in constant motion and activity. You can never stop the mind from thinking because it isn't your mind. It's the universal mind. It thinks. The discipline comes into what thoughts you choose to entertain to give your attention and energy to what channel you choose to tune your receiver to. Anytime you allow yourself to indulge in thoughts of negativity, worry, doubt, anxiety, or any of these lower states that are denser in vibration, your thoughts 
automatically are translated to feelings in your subconscious mind. This is what it means to impress the subconscious, which is in every cell of your being. Thoughts in the conscious mind are interpreted as feelings by the subconscious mind. In fact, you can think of your body as an expression of your subconscious mind and feelings as your body's response to your thoughts. And this feeling response instantly produces a vibration through your central nervous system, like lightning. The body instantly moves into a vibration. And from there, everything else is automatic. By law, you will experience the portion of reality that is in harmony with your feeling state at that moment. These are the seeds that you plant that bear fruit in time, sometimes right away, sometimes it takes a bit longer. When you choose to change your thinking and feeling, and only to entertain thoughts and feelings that will contribute to your happiness, and when you engage in this practice of choosing over and over again, that is discipline. That is what Neville means by control of your thoughts and feelings. It's really accepting that a negative bent of thought can only impress the subconscious with a negative feeling, which can only generate a negative vibration through the body, which brings about automatically a reality clothed in forms and experiences that match that vibration. Every feeling unless it is counteracted by a stronger feeling of an opposite nature, must be expressed as an experience in your reality. When you really accept this, you start to say to yourself, well, why would I persist in a way of thinking that's only hurting me and making my life harder? And when you find yourself circling the drain emotionally, you can choose to turn your attention to what you would love to experience and who you would love to be. You can change the channel. I recall a time where I was sitting on the couch watching TV with my dad. This must have been while I was still in high school. A commercial for personal injury attorneys came on with the attorney talking to the camera and inviting in a somewhat self-righteous tone anyone who believed they had grounds for a medical malpractice lawsuit to call them for a free consultation. Well... My dad was a medical professional. He was a psychiatrist. And for years, I had heard him express outrage at the high cost of his malpractice insurance, which he felt under compulsion to purchase in order to be protected from so-called ambulance chasers like the, the one in the commercial. To my surprise, my dad launched himself forward on the couch and in his French-accented English hurled a series of vicious expletives at the guy on television. My mother gasped in shock and dismay, and my brother and I burst out laughing at this display of colorful language and the nonsensical act of yelling at the TV. But I remember the white-hot anger in his eyes and the very strong energy that was released in that moment. And I've always remembered that moment because, you know, at that stage of his life, my dad had really mellowed out a great deal. So it was unusual to see him provoked to an involuntary reaction like that. From my perspective now, I can see that well, <laughs> he still had some emotional stuff to work out, psychiatrist or no, obviously. And the humor of that moment had its origin in the ridiculousness of yelling at the object of his anger, who, of course, could not hear him, didn't even know about him. We think it's cute when a cat sees itself in the mirror and has a standoff with its own image, believing it to be another cat. The examples are similar in that both involve a distortion in perception. 
And while we can recognize the humor in both examples, we don't seem to realize that we are caught up in the same distortion as the adorable kitty, or as my beloved dad in the <laughs> aforementioned example, when we enter into a conflict with the mirror or screen of reality. The reality is a mirror and faithfully presents to us our own reflection in myriad forms. Neville says, It is easier to ascribe your feelings to events in the world than to admit that the conditions of the world reflect your feeling. However, it is eternally true that the outside mirrors the inside, as within, so without. It is impossible for you to see other than the contents of your own consciousness. Your world in its every detail is your consciousness objectified. Objective states bear witness of subconscious impressions. What we believe to be happening to us is in fact the reflection of our own consciousness. The sum total of what we believe and consent to as being true about ourselves, others, and the world, consciously and unconsciously. Life isn't happening to us. It's happening for us. Because as Neville so beautifully expressed it, the conscious and subconscious are creatively joined. The male and female become one flesh. Sleep is the time when the male or conscious mind turns from the world of sense to seek its lover or subconscious self. The subconscious, unlike the woman of the world who marries her husband to change him, has no desire to change the conscious waking state, but loves it as it is and faithfully reproduces its likeness in the outer world of form. The conditions and events of your life are your children, formed from the molds of your subconscious impressions in sleep. They are made in the image and likeness of your innermost feeling, that they may reveal you to yourself. Here's a practice that will help you notice the connection between your subconscious impressions and their expressions in your life. Make sure you download the PDF worksheet that's associated with this episode. You'll find that link in the show notes. Think of a current situation in your personal life that you consider unfavorable. Notice what thoughts you currently have around that situation. For example, let's say you have a difficult boss at work and you consequently experience conflict in your work life. You might have thoughts like, my boss is impossible. How did he even get to that position? She makes my life a living hell on the job. Why does he recognize so-and-so's work but not my own? I could do a better job than that guy. I wish I could move to a different department. And so on and so forth. So write down the thoughts that you think about that situation in the first column of your worksheet. Now, write down the feelings associated with those thoughts in the second column. For example, when you think those thoughts, your body might respond with feelings of being trapped, anxious, resentful jealous, powerless. You might also notice physical sensations associated with those feelings, like having a knot in your stomach or a racing heart, or your face might get hot, or you might feel tension in your jaw. Notice whatever comes up and make a note of the thoughts, the feelings, and the sensations in the third column that you experience around this particular situation. Realize that the thoughts you hold 
and get emotionally involved with are impressing your subconscious mind and that those impressions are being expressed in the outside world as the situation itself. Remember, it's easier to ascribe your feelings to events in the world than to admit that the conditions of the world reflect your feeling, but this is invariably the truth of the situation. Even though my dad could have blamed the lawyer on television for his angry outburst, that commercial merely triggered the anger he was already holding. Now, look at the situation again and determine how you could begin to think differently about it. For example, my boss may have personal difficulties I know nothing about. I choose to bless her and send her positive energy no matter what. I'm good at my job, and I receive praise from my coworkers and my boss. There's an opportunity in this situation, and I'm, I'm going to look for it. Choose new thoughts about the same situation. Then list how these thoughts make you feel and what associated physical sensations you might notice. Note that if you have been deeply entrenched in negative thinking about something, it might take some time for you to believe you can think differently about it. But trust me, you can. Keep looking for how you would prefer to think and feel inside your own mind and heart, regardless of what the objective world is currently showing you. Persist in this new way of thinking and feeling for seven days with total focus. And change the channel every time you notice yourself going back to an old habit of thought or complaining in any way about the situation. You will see that if you are able to steady your focus on the new thinking and feeling, the situation will seem to magically change or you will be moved into a new one. It may seem magical, but it is actually your effective operation of this law. Make notes of the changes you notice and express gratitude for them. This is only the beginning. Do you have a burning desire for change? Well, I think you do, or you wouldn't listen to this podcast. Are you really interested in living a life of true freedom? Because, well, this is your last chance to take advantage of an opportunity to join me personally. My next group coaching program begins March 23rd, 2021, and I would love to have you in it. I'm going to teach you a reliable, repeatable, scientific formula that makes your success predictable. Once you understand this simple formula and how to apply it to your life, you can expect a few things to happen. Wealth and good luck will begin to flow more easily, more abundantly into your life as the universe begins to provide all of your needs and more of your wants. All the areas of your life, your health, your relationships, vocation, your time and money, freedom, and your attitude will become ignited with a sense of possibility that you've never experienced before. You'll experience a greater feeling of control and predictability over your finances, your circumstances, and your destiny. You'll learn to start thinking in a way that produces the results you want as you unlock the genius within you. Your most predominant worries, the things that keep you up at night, will become a thing of the past. So, if you're ready to create the life you really want, don't just hope it'll happen someday. It won't without your initiating it. Take action to change your life. Space is limited, so reserve your spot to join me and a group of like-minded people who are passionate about creating true freedom. 
I know you want to live the life that you were put on this earth to live. Your heart's most cherished dreams are exactly what spirit is seeking to express through you. Don't just wish it anymore. Become it. I'm here to help you do just that. And what's more, I know that you can. You are designed for success. There's a link in the show notes that says, Become a Dream Builder. Click on that to learn more. Meanwhile, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.